Recorded live at Toxin Tasting Studios, it's the Clerical Errors Podcast. The podcast that shows you what's behind the collar. Let's go. From the Toxin Tasting Studios, this is the Clerical Errors Podcast. I'm Bull Hagen. And I'm Brig. Vicar 16.0. Peter here once again in the building, three in a row. Wow. And we have another guest. Hey, I'm August. Hey, August. Hey. <laughs> he is Bullhagen 3.0. <laughs> That's true, yes. <laughs> mm-hmm. And uh, thank you for being a supporter of the show. Absolutely. He's he's helped, actually helped us out with a little equipment, so thank you. Yeah, no problem. All right. Uh, we haven't done a show dedication in a while. We haven't. We've kind of fallen behind. So uh, who should we dedicate this to? We'll dedicate it to everyone who's named after a month. Okay. If you're named after a month, this show is for you. That sounds like a good idea to me. Yeah, because that's actually not you. <laughs> no. <laughs> everyone assumes that August was born in August, April. Yeah, that's right. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, uh, I brought a drink today. Oh, well. Nice. I figured, you know, this is kind of like the New Year's episode, right? Mm-hmm. So it is. We go from the office party to uh, to the, our New Year's party, right? <laughs> oh, champagne! I brought champagne with me. Holy buckets! Now I don't. I've never opened champagne. I don't know what's going on here. Keep it away from the electrical equipment. We don't have to, <laughs> August have to buy new <laughs> new equipment. Yeah, champagne is bubbly wine. <laughs> yeah, which is why the glass is thicker. And why it pops. It's also uh, more alcoholic. And uh, they actually have cool names for their bottles, like the Jeroboam or the Shalmaneser, who are all guys from the Bible. So, And, and this is something called champagne. <laughs> <laughs> yes. That's what the label says. <laughs> from the champagne region of? Champagne. Illinois. <laughs> I want to say yes. So... Yeah, a lot of listeners in Champaign, Illinois. Are there? Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. I think so. I if you're from Champaign, Illinois, write in. Or any Champagne, really. <laughs> Whoa! That was loud. <laughs> <laughs> Happy New Year. Happy New Year. All right. All right, so as as uh, we're being served here, Vicar, what is the text for coming up? So... We are coming upon the first Sunday after Christmas, uh, first Sunday in the Christmas season, really. And we find ourselves... Is that is that the the official um, Semwives birthing Sunday? <laughs> no comment. <laughs> I think... Uh, it's good to see you laugh, Berg. Keep it up. I'll do what I can. I think we're in the on the fifth day of Christmas this year, but we're close. We're close. Oh, five big mistakes. Yeah, five big, big mistakes. <laughs> hopefully not, you know, hopefully not your sermon. Hopefully that's not counted as one of them. But uh, Luke chapter 2, and uh, let's see, we have the uh, the prophet uh, Simeon and Anna. We have a female prophetess, which maybe you pastors can kind of talk about because this is one of the texts uh, for those who are behind female ordination. They point to this text. So... I don't know if either one of you want to address that issue, um, but uh, 
Here we have, uh, after the Nunc Dimittis, the Song of Simeon, um, we have both a blessing uh, from Simeon upon Mary and the child, more importantly, and also Anna, um, who comes in worshiping, uh, uh, praying, and giving thanks to God, uh, speaking of him to all who are waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. So that's kind of where we're at, the end of Luke chapter 2. And, uh, of course... Simeon's song, right? What do we normally hear that? At funerals. <laughs> yep. And also? Also in the divine service. Right. right. Uh, after you receive, let your servant depart in peace. Your word has been fulfilled. And I don't know. I'm sure people don't always think about the fact that it's really when you say depart in peace, you're talking about death. death. About death. Yeah. So uh, it's a reminder that uh, after the Lord's Supper, you know, I'm good to go. <laughs> right. Well, and, you know, that part of it is really familiar to us. But, uh, and we see that Jesus' father and mother, so Joseph, his, I don't know, what would you say, foster father? Um, stepdad. Stepdad. You know, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. Guardian. Never, guardian. Guardian yeah. is probably the best way to talk about it. And his mother marvel at these things, right? Mm-hmm. But Simeon here says, hey, this is not going to be all roses and sunshine here, right? That this child is appointed for the fall and the rising of many in Israel, right? That many will actually reject Jesus. They will fall over him because they they don't want to receive his word and that they will actually oppose him, Mm -hmm. that he is a sign that is to be opposed and the world will hate him. They will not, they're not going to, they're not going to stand for him. And so, and we see that culminate in the crucifixion. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is what it means when a sword will pierce your own soul also. And this is directed towards Mary because Joseph is already going to be dead, mm-hmm. right? We never see him in the Gospels after this. More than likely, he was much, much older than Mary, and she has to watch her son die. She's there at the cross. Yeah, I actually uh, mentioned that uh, in the second time I preached my sermon in because uh, I, you know, I'm covering, I've got two places. I look at the joy of today's text. We're we're recording on a Sunday afternoon, so if you're a little tired, Sunday afternoon is not the brightest time for pastors right. <laughs> behind the collar. <laughs> in fact, my kids will tell you once a bit. It's like five or six o'clock in the evening on a Sunday. I am not worth very much, am I? You're not worth very much <laughs> by like noon. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but oh, now I'm lost. Go ahead. But yeah, I mean, uh, you know, and even though this stuff, I think it reminds us, it kind of brings a sobriety to the Christmas season. Right. That brings me back to my point Mm -hmm. is today we talked about uh, uh, Mary and Elizabeth and and the visitation of their Mary visiting Elizabeth. And I talked about what a joyful time it was for both of them Mm -hmm. and, uh, and how much joy it brings them to be servants of God. And uh, even though no one would really want to trade places with them. No. You know, most people want a child who's going to be, you know, someone great, right? Like a podcast producer. Right, exactly. You know? (laughs) But then, like, I mean, think about it. Why would you ever want to be Elizabeth and give birth to John the Baptist, right? I mean, because he dies. Yeah. Right? He's beheaded. Would you ever want to be Mary? Right. right. Imagine poor Elizabeth. So, yeah, my son, he's a well-respected Pharisee. Yep. <laughs> What's your son doing? Oh, yeah. He's still in the desert. 
<laughs> uh, oh yeah, I saw him. What was he wearing? <laughs> what did you feed him as a baby? <laughs> Locusts and wild honey. What is? Well, this? and you see this. You and it's it's got to be hard being Mary, because she tries to, you know, Epiphany is coming up, right? And where Jesus does his first miracle in Cana, she tries to intervene, mm-hmm. right? And she oversteps her her maternal uh, rights. Right. And that's why he so lovingly calls her woman, right? Mm-hmm. To remind her that, hey, this is where your parental authority ends. And she was she was worried about him all the time. Why else do you think that uh, both she and her, and, and uh, they're called the brothers of Jesus, and that'll probably be something we talk about a little bit later uh, in the podcast here. Um, they're waiting outside. Him, you know, she and her family are waiting outside to take him away because they think he's crazy, you know, because he's... Um, preaching these fiery sermons, he is, people are mad at him. Like they almost chuck him off a cliff in Nazareth. Right. Right. His hometown. And then he says stuff like, yeah, (laughs) those who hear God's word are my mother and my brothers and my sisters. Mm -hmm. Right. And so, you know, I think at the end of the day, it's kind of a nice sobriety to it. Right. Like this is the reason why we have Christmas because Jesus is the sign which is opposed, Mm. right? And he is not only the one who makes us rise Mm -hmm. on account of our our faith in him, right? He brings us up. But those who reject him fall, and they fall hard. Right. And I think that's something to remember, that the cross is not very far from the cradle. That's what we should do sometime for a Christmas program. Is like do a bait and switch and make it like a Good Friday program, like when everyone walks in the bed. Yeah. Everybody <laughs> walks in, there's nothing on the altar. <laughs> right. Or, you know, you have a you have a crate you know, you have a cradle that pulls away it to be a cross, you know, or something along those lines. Some because... kind of hydraulic system that just <laughs> pushes up the crucifix. Yeah, I mean, you know, because ultimately everybody loves Christmas, mm. right? And the world co opts it because who doesn't love babies? right? But Easter is really hard to co-op. In fact, it's impossible, right? They try with the Easter bunny, but it's not, it doesn't work, right? Yeah. They have the the bunny that makes chicken noises. Yeah. That'll catch on. The Cadbury cream eggs. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I do. My age. (laughs) Those commercials were amazing when they had like the lion roaring and then they, they had all the different animals wearing the bunny ears. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. This is pretty sweet. This is amazing. I'm 100% lost. So <laughs> So anyway, well well that's a good transition to our top 12 list. Let's see if uh, uh Bullhagen 3.0 knows what to say. Peter, play the intro. <laughs> Enough nonsense. It's time for Bullhagen's top 12. All right. Um so uh, uh so Vicker, why my top 12 list is uh is uh well, what's coming up? What's coming up? Everyone calls it New Year's. It's true. The circumcision of our Lord. Indeed. Eight days after his birth. And interesting enough, the gospel lesson for that day, the shortest gospel lesson in the whole church here. <laughs> it is amazing. One verse. Wow. One verse only. There used to be more. <laughs> so that's the thing. <laughs> there used to be more. <laughs> should, should I... <laughs> Should I cut that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 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 
so I thought I would do a top 12 list. Um, why? Uh, I guess uh, I've been doing this why something is cool. Okay. Why the circumcision of Jesus is cool. Right. So top 12 reasons why the circumcision of Jesus is cool. And if you think about it, this was actually one of the bigger days historically the church year. Mm-hmm. Right? Well, that's one of the reasons why it ended up being new, you know, basically the start of the civil year. Because in many countries, they had different times that they started their new year. Mm-hmm. Like in 14th century France, they actually started on Easter, which is a movable feast day. So like, right. you know, it changed every year. So it got super confusing. So, so yeah, it used to be a really big deal. Not so much anymore. I think everyone's so busy. They're more concerned about, oh, look, I got to get a new calendar. This is amazing. So... So my reasons why it's an important thing to remember. Right. Because I don't think a lot of people give it too much thought. Well, and why you should uh, go to your pastor and see if he can uh, have a service on this day. Yeah. Right? Because that, that is the true New Year. Okay. Number 12. The Bible shows that Jesus fulfills all of God's law for you. Right? Okay. Did God command circumcision? Yes. Vicar, when did God command circumcision? Oh, boy. I don't think I know the answer to that. To Abraham. Right. I think it's uh, Genesis either 15 or 17, you know. And this happened after it says in, uh, when it says in, in the book of Genesis that Abraham believed on God and it was reckoned to him as? Righteousness. Righteousness. 17. 17. And so um, the Bible goes out of its way to show that that all the commands of the Old Testament, Jesus followed. Mm-hmm. And he he did it perfectly because it, for us, we are, he fulfilled that for us. So it shows that he did all the things fulfilling God's law for us. So that's number 12. Good. You look less than impressed. No, it was good. <laughs> I just like want to ask a question, but I'm hoping you'll get to it. So Okay. Number 11. It teaches us something about infant baptism. Okay. Because when was Jesus circumcised? On the eighth day. Eighth day. And it says something originally for the people of God that they were part of God's chosen people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And by uh, being circumcised uh, eight day, he kind of confirms that. I mean, Jesus does everything perfectly. Right. And so... And we see in Colossians that uh, baptism and circumcision are actually uh, united, and actually circumcision is a prefigurement of holy baptism. Right. Which is how God uh, brings us into his covenant love. Mm -hmm. Right? Number 10. It shows that Jesus is the promised offspring of Abraham. Mm -hmm. Full circle, right? Yep. God first commanded Abraham to be circumcised, right? Right. And every generation after that to be circumcised? Yep. Right? Mm-hmm. You follow those generations? Who was the last one who needed to be circumcised? Jesus? Yeah. I mean, yeah, I see, and I, I go back and forth on that. Like, when does the ceremonial law end? Right. I mean, I would say it ends at the cross, right? Right. That's why, I, I, in my mind, he fulfills all those things for us. Right. And it all comes to a perfect fulfillment on the cross. Right. right? So, 
Sorry, it's probably nitpicking. Number nine. It demonstrates for us that Jesus is fully human. Mm-hmm. Hey, Vicar, I have a question for you. I haven't asked you too many questions. How do you circumcise a spirit? <laughs> With the word of God. You uh, you get out your proton pack <laughs> and you cross the streams. Let's you know. not start talking about crossing the streams. <laughs> I was just watching the movies that made us, and I, so I've been watching the one on Ghostbusters, so classic 80s. That could be a good sh- – we'll have to remember that, the theology of Ghostbusters. Yes. That'll be a future episode. Right. It's the perfect American movie because they're a small startup company, and their biggest opponent is the EPA. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. So so going back to my comment, boy, this Sunday this Sunday afternoon thing's rough. I don't know. I'm having a lot of fun. So It's fun, yeah. So – Maybe people, hey, writers, into our show. At me, bro. Do you think Sunday afternoon recordings are better or not? So that is the question. Vicar, where can they uh, reach us? <laughs> they can find us on Facebook, at Clerical Errors Podcast. On Twitter, at Clerical Errors P. At me, eh? For podcast. They can email us, feedback at org, And they can find us on any of those apps that... You get your podcasts on. But, but the point is, Jesus had to be human, fully man, for, for our salvation. Otherwise, how could he fulfill the law for us on our behalf? So. Yes. Number eight. Okay, I want you to think, see if you buy into this. It shows that God had not given up on the children of Abraham, the Jewish people. And this is why. Imagine, now, um, certainly there's a big controversy on whether new Christians should be circumcised or not. One of the great controversies in the New Testament, Mm -hmm. right? Yep. But I think if Jesus had not been circumcised, it would be a stumbling block to the Jews who had already become Christian. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is why uh, I believe Timothy, right, who had a Gentile father, was -hmm. circumcised, right? Mm -hmm. Because of his... uh, his preaching and teaching to to the Jewish people who had, uh, you know, received Christ. So, and, and, so we and, even see that in the New Testament dis- dispensation in the book of Acts, for example. Mm-hmm. Are you finding that, Vicar? Yeah, Acts 16.3. Thank you. And, it, and it's kind of like this, too. Is, uh, is I, I mentioned in our just conversation not too long ago that when you look at nativity scenes and you, and you see, like, an African nativity scenes, uh, scene that Jesus in that is black, right? Right. If you see an Asian nativity scene, the baby is Asian. If he's German with blonde hair and blue eyes, he... Comes out like Krampus. That's right. So... If you don't know who Krampus is... That's, a, that's another episode. That's another episode. So... Well, and I think it even goes beyond that because um, Christ is Israel distilled down to one. Right. Where Israel failed, Christ succeeds. He is the embodiment of Israel. And he is the new Israel. And so when we are, when both Jews and Gentiles are grafted into him, they become the new Israel. All this nonsense, all this dispensational nonsense about the Jews being converted and blah, 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 as if their blood gives them some special right uh, to be God's people is bunk. Right. Israel, God can raise up from these stones children from Abraham. 
And he has. He has through faith. That's the whole point. That's who the new Israel is. The new Israel is the Christian church. And if so, not all who are descended from Abraham by blood are Israelites by faith. Mm-hmm. So, so, so my point is there to the, the nativity scene is that that's not a problem for me because it just shows that uh, people understand that he was in the artistic form that he was like me. He was born like me. I mean, if you get super realistic and say he was obviously Jewish, and that would be true. Right. But I think it's also important to convey in art that he came as one of us. Yeah, that there is a universal aspect to this. Right, and that's a good thing. And so that brings us to the the circumcision is for the Jewish people at the time, it's also a reminder that this Savior is one of of us. Number seven. He was given the name Jesus. Now, it's, it's not necessarily... You know, people have the discussion, is a circumcision and the name the same thing? Well, it really is two different things. It's really the circumcision and the naming of Jesus. Right. But the two never happened apart from each other. Right. This is why David's son, who dies before circumcision, uh, doesn't receive a name. Mm-hmm. And even though the angel had, you know, prophesied what Jesus' name would be, he's not actually named Jesus until he is circumcised. That's why in the baptismal rite, we ask... How what is, is this child named? Right. Yeah. How is this child to be named, right? Right. So. And, uh, and, and Vicar, what does the name Jesus mean? He shall save his people from their sins. Right. Savior. The Lord saves. Yeah. Because he will save his people from their sins. And so, so it shows that they were obedient to God's word because that's what they were told to name him. Mm-hmm. Number six. Now, Peter, in editing, I'll need your help with this. Okay. All right. And uh, that is because um, uh, one reason why it's awesome is there's also some awesome music attached to it. Okay. All right. So there is a Bach cantata dedicated to the circumcision of Jesus. Bach is pretty awesome. And it's, oh, my handwriting. Okay. It's called uh, Zingit den Herrn ein Neues Lied. Bach 190. All right, here it is. The see, the thing is, I was listening to this in the car on the way over back from down south. Uh, You're no longer listening to West's music? Uh, I actually haven't listened to it much. You got sick of the Chick-fil-A song? <laughs> yeah, but it's actually peppy. It's really mm-hmm. cool. It's really fun. Fun. So, so it is, isn't it? Don't you think? <laughs> it's pretty awesome. Yeah. So, if we didn't have the circumcision of Jesus, we wouldn't have this. It's true. Uh, August, do you have anything to say about Bach? Uh, he's a pretty great composer. Awesome. Number five. Oh, I kind of said that already. I guess it makes sense. It it perfects the circumcision of our Old Testament brothers. Repeat that one more time. Well, you know how you mentioned... No, I, I just I don't remember what you said. Okay. So. It perfects Sunday. the circumcision of our Old Testament brothers. Okay. 
because you we had, you had talked earlier how Jesus is the fulfillment of the perfect Jew. Right. Right? So his circumcision is also perfect. Right. And and like you said earlier, we are the new Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. And so the Old Testament are our brothers and sisters. Amen. So it's another shout out to them. So I've got 11. Do you have any one that you think I might be missing up to this point for number four? Number four. The circumcision and naming of Jesus uh, is a good reminder of how God puts his name on us. There you go. And uh, the Old Testament reading for uh, that for that day is the Aaronic benediction. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious unto you. Uh, the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Right? This isn't just a holy um, well-wishing, right? But God is actually putting his name. This is what the priests were supposed to say to the people to put God's name on them. And when God puts his name on you, you're his. Mm-hmm. And when God puts his name on you, you're a king and a priest. And not so not only did Jesus take on a human name for our sake, but in return, in this great exchange, which we call the atonement, God then puts his name on us. Mm-hmm. Number three. At eight days old, Jesus was. That was why I written down. I have to finish that thought. Sometimes I get my thoughts in com- incomplete sentences. Are you shocked? At eight days old, Jesus not was. Now, it's not number one, because he was already working for our salvation. Mm-hmm. Right? So, right. At eight days old, Jesus hurt. <laughs> right. You know, and I think that's important to know is that, you know, even though his human flesh was perfect. Right. right. And not subject to death. Mm-hmm. Uh, still, he hurt, and he hurt for our sake. And in fact, because the human, you know, the human and divine are one Christ, right? Two natures and one Christ. We can even say that God hurt, right? Mm-hmm. That God suffered, and he begins to suffer right here. Number two. It was very important to our Christian brothers and sisters. Uh, this is my wording is just starting to go down. My point is between for number two is. Is historically it was important for the church. Mm-hmm. And if it was important to the church, it should be important to us. Right. Because because there's a continuity. If it was you know, they're our brothers and sisters in Christ from all time, they saw value in it. It was one of the the holy feast days. Right. And you know, and that's the thing. We Americans don't often care much about history, but we should. We should care about it and because not everything that is important to us was important to them. And sometimes we have blind spots that they don't have. We're very quick to point out their blind spots, but we're not always so quick to point out that we ourselves might have blind spots too. And there were reasons why it was important to them, and things cycle through. So even though we may not see always the importance of it today, you know, circumstance, and and I'm not even, even really sure what circumstance it could be, but... For some reasons, these things come up again and being mindful that how important they are. Mm-hmm. So so it was important to 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 them, and so it should be important to us. That's, yeah. a, that's a reason why, too, that uh, even though it's probably our least attended service, I like to do the Easter Vigil ser- service. Right. Because that was, you know, the big service. Yeah, for, and it fell out for a, for a long time, and... Uh... 
Yeah, the I've uh, I do the Holy Saturday uh, to talk about the burial and the descent into hell. Mm-hmm. Partly because the readings for the vigil are so super long that I usually don't have a voice left because I preach every day during Holy Week. Right. So if I had a vicar, it'd be pretty rad. Well, that's that's what. Well, my sons, uh, uh, the one uh, Bullhagen one and three um, they they've uh, carried candles for that, and they have the experience of having sore knees and legs of standing there with candles, so that uh, the vicar and I can read our lessons. I'm getting looks right now. Yeah, but it taught you a lot, right? Oh, definitely, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> they asked me this before. I said no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it taught me how to not lock my knees. Hey, that's I said an important. Similar. That is an important lesson to learn. And number one. That is when Jesus first shed his blood for us. Good. Yeah. So. Yeah, you could look at Jesus' life within the context of like the temple sacrifices, right? Mm-hmm. This is the morning sacrifice. Jesus' death will be the evening sacrifice, right, on the cross. So. So we did it. We did a top 12 list on the circumcision of Jesus. Now, listener, I want you to think about this. Name another podcast where they have done this for you. Huh? I I haven't I haven't heard one yet. So, so ground bake breaking stuff. Indeed. All right. Uh, um, let's do a Bible verse. Does that sound all right? Yeah, sounds great. Uh, Peter, play the intro. Do you have impaired concentration? Then this is for you. It's the impaired concentration Bible study. One verse, one verse only. Tell me how you like this music. Oh, it's great. It, it pairs really well with the champagne. <laughs> yes. Especially on a Sunday afternoon. With my Chick-fil-A. They're closed on Sundays. Oh, oh. that's right. Boom. All right. I got Isaiah 45, verse 9. It says, Woe to him who strives with him who formed him. A pot among earthen pots. Why does a clay say to him who forms it, what are you making? Or, your work has no handles. So what do you think, Berg? <laughs> well, here Isaiah... You like how I, I am the master at punting? <laughs> well, I mean, I understand. He's the master at receiving, though. <laughs> so here Isaiah is calling to account the one who seeks to put God on trial, right? Right. Anyone who is seeking to uh, critique God for why he does what he does um, is bound to fail, right? Um, it, he is. It's as silly as a pot or the clay uh, critiquing the potter when he's at the wheel. Um, so that's, that's the whole point here is that, uh, and this is interesting because it gets into the whole question of theodicy, right? Why does, why does God allow or send bad things to good people and it's really the wrong question because what it does is it put it puts god in the defendant seat right and we're on and we're the judges Um, kind of like when people say look at their their sinful sinful uh, inclinations and they they rejoice that i'm so happy god made me this way right which is just simply a justification of their sin right 
And the thing is, is that we have to reframe. As Christians, we always have to reframe the way we think because this is natural to us, right? Because we have this sinful inclination that wants to put God on trial, okay? Mm-hmm. And so how do we best reframe this question? We should ask the question, well, why do such good things happen to such bad people? Yeah. Right? And to rejoice in what God has actually done for us in Christ and also in all the things that he gives to us each and every day. And, and this actually addresses one of the, the many, the, one of the, I think one of the biggest um, arguments of atheists is they say, if there is a God, you know, why do children get cancer? You know, if there is a God, then, you know, why are there plagues or, you know, why is there a hell? Mm-hmm. All those things that people hate about our fallen world, they say, if there is a God, then why do these things happen? As though somehow God wanted it that way. Right. And sometimes he does send these things in judgment. Right. And, and he's perfectly within his rights to do so. Right. But but the thing is, he is not the, the creator of sin that right. caused he's, it. He is not the creator of evil, right? When he sends things, uh, he does so um, first in judgment— But more importantly, he also does send them in love, right? The Lord disciplines those whom he loves. And and God doesn't like those things any more than you do. He he doesn't like death. No, he doesn't like death. He, uh, and he wants all men to repent and come to the knowledge of the truth. Right. And So, so that's why it's best, it's best for us not to make a one to one correlation Right, like Job's friends did, like, oh well, God is punishing him because, you know, Job is such an evil man. Mm-hmm. On the one hand, on the other hand, we shouldn't think of ourselves as innocent because we're not. I mean, this sin causes death. This is why babies die, even though they have not committed any actual sins. Right, actual sins here as being sins of omission or sins of commission. Right, the sins that. The things that you didn't do that you should have done and the things mm-hmm. that you did that you shouldn't have done, right? Right. So. And um, another thing I think that addresses is this, is is it points uh, to the fact that we have a creator um, and, uh, and the fact that, you know, our, you know, we might complain about how he does things and how he creates things like a, a pot or the clay arguing. Like the verse says, right? But it's it's interesting how how you even watch a, a a nature show that's heavily into evolution, and yet it it talks about it as it was designed certain ways, but instead they say it evolved this way, as though it happened on its own. Right, and unfortunately, there are a lot of people who want to be that creator. They want to be the clay former rather than being the clay. So, for example, you have a lot of serious body modification stuff going on today in the world. Um, Not only with heavy tattooing, but also in regard to um, cutting or poking, right? Mm -hmm. Um, You also see it with other, like, radical body modification stuff. But you also see it with uh, the transgender movement. My body is the clay, and I can do whatever I want with it, right? Right. If I feel that I'm a girl... I 
cut off a little more than the circumcision part and, uh, you know, pump myself full of, uh, you know, of, uh, hormones. hormones and all that, right? And it's just not true, right? It's mm-hmm. just not true. God actually formed you a, per, a, a particular way. And thanks be to God for that, right? All right. Do we have a news that bothers Berg, perchance? It's really hard to find news right now because apparently some Christian organization made an anti-Trump post and everybody's freaking out about that. So it's really hard to find <laughs> news. Oh, well, uh, Peter, play the intro. Let's We can talk about that. Yeah, why not? There's fake news. There's real news. Then there's real news that Berg wishes was fake. It's time to hear news that bothers Berg. All right, so we have a Washington Post article here that the headline is Christianity Today made big news with its anti-Trump editorial. The impact on evangelicals might not be as big. Christianity Today and Evangelical Magazine has mostly concentrated on the spiritual, not the political, during its 63 years of existence. So the editorial published last Thursday went over like a thunderclap from on high. Uh, Editor Mark Galley wrote that President Trump should be removed from office, describing him as a near-perfect example of a human being who is morally lost and confused. Well, that's wonderful. That's one one thing that, uh, you know, without getting, you know, I don't think we were a very political show, obviously. No. Right. But that the one thing that 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 is one thing that has kind of confused me a little bit about the presidency, because, you know, I like the fact that he does things for the sake of the unborn, for example. Yeah. But at the same time, in other ways, I think amongst many Christians, he's kind of lowered the bar (laughs) when it comes to morality in some ways. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's yeah. I mean, without having read the editorial, mm-hmm. I mean, I don't quite know what to say about it. I mean, I don't see the thing is, is that there's no reference to the articles of impeachment, right? Mm-hmm. Which is the proper and lawful way of removing someone from office to simply remove someone from office uh, based on quote unquote moral um problems where it's not actually in your constitution i think is very problematic because then you can just remove anybody you don't agree with especially when you live in a society that has such a sliding moral scale not based on scripture but on what everyone gets mad at rather than right i mean if that were the case then uh i would remove all of the supreme court for voting on obergefell which you know legalized gay marriage for example Mm -hmm. right um, you know, and so that's, that's the thing. I mean, if he's broken laws, right. And he can be removed, uh, in a legal sense, right. Then, then you actually have something to talk about. And, and by the, this is a good trans, this is a, I got a good transition for this too. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because, um, uh, I think this really also can come into play with congregations and the removal of pastors. Yeah. Because that sometimes can be misunderstood. Right. So so when we think of uh, what are reasons why a congregation could remove a pastor, it's kind of like impeachment a little bit, right? You know, removal of 
Yeah, I'm sure there's an there's an analogy there. Right. Right. I but, mean, you know, but there's there's only a few reasons, really. Right. Right. Uh, false teaching. Persistent false teaching. Persistent false teaching. Right. Um, and uh, a gross sin, you know. A, yeah, a, a gross god ungodly life. Right. 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 So, so you know, and and uh, not necessarily. Oh, he was jer- a jerk at one po- at one time or something like that. It's you know, right. And then the other is uh, the inability to actually fulfill his duties. Right. Right. So physically can't do it. Physically or mentally, you know. Is unable to fulfill it. Right. And uh, and and why do you suppose it's very rigid in, in, in being those three? Because people would remove a pastor for not doing what they like to do. Right. And and also, too, it's kind of like uh, I've got Bullhagen— 1.0 and 3.0 over here, right? You know, if they, if they were to pick a parent, if children could say, "Oh, I don't, I'm gonna no longer be your child," um, it's uh, it doesn't do them any good. But kids would do that. <laughs> yeah, they they would pick a different parents uh, based on a whole host of reason. When a lot of times, you know, a pastor is there to give you the, the word of God, even when you don't like it or don't necessarily want to hear it. And that's not grounds for removing a pastor. Right. That's actually the sign that a pastor loves you and cares for you because he's warning you and saying things you may not want to hear. But that means he's doing what he's called to do in many cases, and that's not a reason to remove him. Well, I don't like what he said there. Well, was it God's word? Right. Or if you don't like what he does, maybe he has different gifts. Right. You know, uh, not every pastor has the same gifts as every other pastor. I mean, we actually are human beings. We don't come out of the molder right. the same way. Because You I, and I are very, very different right, people. Right. That, that's, what, <laughs> that's what makes our podcast one of the things that makes us beautiful is, is, and it probably comes across that you and I are very different. We are very different people. <laughs> yep. Bullhagen was born to sparkle. Berg was... Born to... I was born during an eclipse, so... Born in the ashes. <laughs> yep. He didn't see the light till he became a man. <laughs> <laughs> nice reference. I like it. By the way, upon skimming that article, that was that like four-word sentence or whatever pretty much described it. It was like the, the editor said um, basically that watching the impeachment trials made it clear that uh, President Trump has broken the law and if nothing else, is morally unfit to rule. Okay. And it's pretty much like three or four pages of him saying that, but in a nicer way. Yeah, I mean, you know, no one is above the law. And I think that, you know, if they feel this way, then everything should be investigated. No stone should be left unturned. And if he is vindicated, as he has been for a lot of, like the Russian collusion thing and all that, then, you know... Uh, they should be censured, right? There should actually be consequences for dragging a man's good name through the mud, right? Um, it should be the same thing. I mean, like, for example, with pastors, no one should bring an accusation against a pastor without two or three witnesses. It's what the Bible teaches, right? Um, and, you know, we should, you know, our, our justice system 
for all of its flaws, would rather let an innocent man go, would rather let a guilty man go than let an innocent man get punished. And we should actually be celebrating that, right? And as Christians, we can be okay with that. Why? Because we know that there is a final judgment, right? Mm -hmm. That there will, that every wrong will be righted on the last day. And um, that should give us great comfort, which is why we should be against Batman. All right. So, Vicar, what are you thinking about? Vicar. I was thinking about dinner. <laughs> Leftovers from Pastabella. Vicar. I see. Mason City. No, the question is, will you have time to eat them? I thank the good Lord for a microwave. All right. <laughs> and by the way, we sound a little tired because it's a Sunday afternoon, but poor Vicar. Poor Vicar. Ha, I don't feel bad. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know how many of these I've been to? I did like two a year for a long time. We haven't talked about what he's doing yet. He's got a lock-in tonight. You better believe it. Yeah. It's going to be lit with glow sticks. <laughs> glow sticks? What else do you got planned? There's this game called Mur- Murder. Oh. It's uh, we got to go and find out who did it. You walk around and slit people's throats with your index finger. Nice. Oh, like then you it. hide the dead bodies. Christian love, of course. Oh, yeah. Right. Of course. Can we come up with like a Christian spin on that? Slain in the spirit. That's right. The ho- who's the Holy Ghost, right? <laughs> then someone walks in and heals them. Circumcised in the flesh. <laughs> Just walk around circumcising people <laughs> with their index finger. <laughs> the screams would be real. <laughs> Poor Baker. There's gonna like, be... I should be eating right now. Yeah. They're making fun of me. Yeah. Go ahead. Actually, you know, um, you know, I guess this podcast will be released after the lock-in, but this is the first night that I am not with my son. Wow. Wow. Yeah. So big sacrifices, guys. Eight months. Eight months in. And you can't sleep. <laughs> the one thing that keeps you from sleeping. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> and you can't sleep. He is that tr- is awesome. Yeah. That, bring, that actually brings me joy, Vicar. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad I could do that for you. It's a... Wow. <laughs> Oh, boy. Uh, Vicar, if you need to go. I'm going to go. All right. So, Vicar is out of the building. All right. So, our question. Oh, Peter, play the play the intro. Confound the clerics. All right. So, we have a question I found on the LCMS subreddit. Um, we're, we've got a couple good questions in the email. We're saving them for when we have more time to uh, dedicate to them. Uh, so I found this question from the LCMS subreddit. That's uh... <laughs> you're right, Berg. <laughs> Berg just uh, spilled champagne everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's do this. <laughs> <laughs> the question is: uh, Do you think the ever virginity of Mary is a thing? Uh, they go on to say that they're not LCMS; they're Protestant. And they don't believe the ever virginity of Mary is a thing. That she was a virgin until the birth of Jesus, but not after. So here's my thing is as Lutherans, does that really matter? Well, keep going with that. I'll see if I can riff off of it. Okay. Because, because, um, 
you know, in in certain circles, in uh, for example, our our Catholic brothers and sisters in Christ, I think to their theology it matters to a certain degree. Mm-hmm. You know, the fact that that uh, she was ever pure or something like that. But to us as Lutherans, I really don't think whether she was or not really is any way efficacious to how the plan of salvation works. And so it, to me, it's just an argument about uh, ca- carpet coloring. <laughs> Am I wrong? I mean, I, I understand the, the debate. Because um, the ever-virginity of Mary was something that was actually held um, by, by Lutherans basically up until the 20th century. So, for example, Luther held to the, ever, the ever-virginity of Mary, for example. Chemnitz actually defends it, um, talking about the, uh, the until, right? That mm-hmm. he didn't know her until. And that the until doesn't necessarily mean a termination of of time, right? Because Jesus right. said, you know, I will be with you always until the end of the age, right? And doesn't the, mean that Jesus is going to stop being with us, right? And then the talk of, of Jesus having brothers could also just mean relatives and cousins. Right. So, I mean, you know, that's the thing, is that there is a history to this. Even our own dogmatics peeper mm-hmm. says that this is the view that he takes is the ever-virginity of Mary, um, but he wouldn't call anyone a heretic for believing the other. Right. I, am, I, I think that's kind of my point. Right. Was. I just don't want to start there. I want that to be like the conclusion, just because I uh, I don't want people to not, because every word, you know, every jot and tittle of the Bible is important, right? Mm-hmm. And what we can figure out from it, you know, I think is important. I think it's interesting that um, Jesus asks John the Apostle to take care of his mom, mm-hmm. which would have fallen to a brother. A brother, right? So I think I think that is interesting, right? Um, you know, because she was she was a widow, right? Right. Um, and that is a huge part of the crucifixion that Jesus actually takes the time when he's suffering all of hell on the cross to take care of his mom. Yeah. Right. Even while he's in the throes of death, he makes sure that his mom is taken care of, and it says that she went to go live in John's house, right, until his death, until her death, right. Mm-hmm. So I mean. It's, you know, there there is an importance there, right? Just because something isn't necessary doesn't mean it's not important. Now, if she was a virgin, right, that can, you know, that, you know, for, for the rest of her life, right, then that means that she was able to dedicate her life solely to the work of God, right? And mm-hmm. the Bible does talk about virginity, right? That St. Paul says, I wish that all of you were like me, not married, right? right. So that way you can dedicate your you know, everything to the kingdom of God, because if you're married, you have worldly trouble. And I found this out when I got married, right? (laughs) Marriage is a glorious estate, but you do have to worry about somebody else. Right. Right. That's, that's, that's the nature of the beast. Right. And so if she was an ever virgin, right, that's not a bad thing. Right. Mm -hmm. Because then it, then it actually builds up um, something that is really neglected in our society right? The place of unmarried people in the church. But I would also argue that if she had other children, that's a good thing I, I was I was getting to that point, right? That if she did have other children, it shows that we ought not despise the nature of marriage, right? Mm-hmm. And that 
she did not sin in having children after having because, because I the think son of God. I always had the impression that that was part of it, that that somehow she was less pure if she didn't. Yeah, and I I think that can be a— did, excuse me. Right, you know, and I think that's the thing is that um, I, I'll argue both ways because I think both ways can teach us something about a person's standing in mm-hmm. God's kingdom. If you're not married, that's not a bad thing. Right. Right? If but, you but that, if you are married, that's not a bad thing. But that, that gets back to my original point, though, mm-hmm. is, you know, Vicar's not here, but— but that's the kind of discussion that happens at seminary that is so important to everyone. Yeah. Where well, do you stand on that? And I was that guy sitting in the back drawing pictures while people were arguing about this. <laughs> See, I, I mean, I, I don't want to say it's not important because right. I, I think important lessons can be drawn from both. Right. My big thing is, but if, is but that, if it was, you know, you know, we have to draw from inferences in Scripture. Right. If it was really that important, it would be clear. It would be clear, you know. And so that's why I'll argue both cases. I, I mean, I, I like the discussion. Um, what I don't like is when people will say, "Well, in the confessions, it says the ever Virgin Mary," when they don't believe what the confessions say about John six. So, which you know, is that uh, John six is about the spiritual eating and drinking of Jesus by faith. Right. And it's not talking about the physical eating and drinking of Jesus in the Lord's Supper. See, to me, I, I find that discussion a little more important. Yeah, I mean, if John 6, I mean, John 6, if you take that as the monocatio oralis, if you take that as the physical eating and drinking of the Lord's Supper, then infants need to have the Lord's Supper, otherwise they're damned. Right? Right. I mean, that that actually does touch on on the nature of, of faith, right? Right. Um, this one, I think, you know, you can argue both sides and you can argue them both beautifully. And, um, both of them have good things to teach us about virginity and both things have good, you know, and, you know, one position teaches us us about virginity. The other position teaches us about, uh, married life Mm -hmm. and both are great. So, So, so with either side though, back to Bullhagen's original point, does it matter? I I don't want to say it doesn't matter. It teaches good lessons, mm-hmm. but big picture, does it matter? I, but I understand your point is in the sense that the truth always matters. Right. I, I just, can we can we be definite about it? I don't think so, because I, I go back and forth in my own mind. I won't bind anybody's conscience to it. Um, but I just, I hate to go down the road of it doesn't matter, because then... I mean, I hear that all the time. That well, uh, does it really matter? Uh, well, because I think what what bothers you about it is this: is that argument is used at times when it really, really does matter. Right, and and so the whole argument and the whole thought process is it, it, uh, it it's just it's a wrong it's a wrong attitude. I guess that's my biggest, you know. But I guess my you know, my, my my thinking of does it matter. Does it matter enough to, to argue and get angry and and to have divisions amongst brothers and no. sisters in Christ? No, it is not something that should you know be a a point of like breaking altar and pulpit fellowship. 
right? Right. So, so by I guess my point is by saying that's in this context, that's what I mean by it matters, but it's insignificant. No, no. I, how would you say it? It it is it's an adiaphron. Mm-hmm. I would say I would say it's it's something that you know either either way you believe is not going to cause you to sin, right? Um, that is that is probably as far as I would go with it. And then if God seek if God deigns to reveal it to us in the resurrection, that would be awesome, right? I think what I'm more interested in is using it in order to teach Christians today, right? And the reason why I I do like um, the thing that she is ever virgin um, is that there are a lot of unmarried people in the church, and there are a lot of people. I was one of them. I had a hard time finding a wife, um, and people look at you weird, and people say things about you. Um, I actually had a parishioner who thought I was gay because I wasn't married. And that parishioner is now dead and, you know, in heaven, you know. And so that's why I guess I'm, you know, um, you know. So um, it's it's one of those things that uh, really, I mean, I guess I am cognizant toward it because of you're viewed as a pariah in the church if you're not married. And honestly, those people should be celebrated, and they should be encouraged to devote their entire lives to the work of God, because there is a place for them. St. Paul definitely has a place for them uh, in 1 Corinthians. So, All right. Boy, we're hitting all the hot buttons today. This is a controversial show. So, yeah, I don't know. Circumcision, all this stuff, huh? Yeah, celibacy. President Trump. Wow. This could go viral, people. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you for listening. That brings us to the end of the show. Um, I'm Bullhagen. And I'm Berg. And I'm Peter. And I'm August. May your new year be bright. Thank you for joining us. This podcast is available on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever else you get your podcasts. Questions, thoughts, concerns? You can contact us on Facebook at facebook.com slash podcast, on Twitter at clericalheirsp for podcast, or email us at feedback at clericalheirs.org. Thanks for listening to Clerical Heirs. See you next time.